Good evening. We will reconvene our regular session meeting for the Board of Education for Monday, September 26, 2022. Could I have a motion to approve the agenda for September 26, 2022? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Could I have an approval for the regular session meeting minutes of August the 22nd, as well as the executive session minutes of August the 22nd? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Okay, so four. At this time, if we could all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Got it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Thank you, Mrs. Wright. At this time, I'd ask that uh, Principal Kerr from Philip Shaw Elementary join us at the podium for our two recognitions this evening. Ms. Kerr. Good evening, everyone. Tonight, it is my pleasure to recognize two local companies who have supported our school. Two years ago, Philip Shall embarked on a major renovation project. It was our goal to fund and completely redo our school playground. After contacting Mount Air, Zach Evans orchestrated meetings and committed to helping Philip Shall in any way that Mount Air possibly could. Quickly, our fundraising took a tremendous upswing, and we were awarded a grant that allowed us to purchase all new playground equipment in one large purchase. Zach immediately jumped in to see where else Mount Air could help. They helped orchestrate our playground workday and signed on to completely renovate the social gathering for the town of Selbyville, our basketball court. They have turned the old court into a thing of beauty with new paving, goalposts with pads, trash cans, and benches. We are so proud of this amazing space. Our students and the community absolutely love it. And I must say that we are even prouder to have Mount Air as an outstanding community partner. Tonight, I have Zach Evans and J.R. LaPearl here from Mount Air. Could you gentlemen please join us for recognition?
The second recognition that I have tonight is actually on behalf of Philip Shaw and Lord Baltimore Elementary. Unfortunately, Principal Pam Webb took a little bit of a fall and could not be with us tonight. Pam and I are both principals first, but also employed at Warren Station in Fenwick Island. Earlier this summer, Pam and I were approached by Scott and Elise Mumford from Warren Station. As many of you know, this local restaurant employs many local students and teachers each and every summer. Scott wanted to look for a way to give back to the local schools and asked Pam and I for any items that we would need for our school that could be given during a dine and donate event. If you work in a school, you know how excited you are for free merch. So everyone came and dined and brought us all of the pens and pencils and paper that you could ever imagine. The event was a huge success. Many school supplies were given to our two schools and we were able to bless our students and our staff. However, it didn't stop there. Scott and Elise also made very generous donations to Philip Shaw and Lord Baltimore. These donations were earmarked to use in whatever way we felt was needed. They also provided Pam and I with gift cards that could be used as incentives and rewards for our staff at LB and Philip Shaw. We are incredibly thankful for Scott and Elise and for the support that they have for our local students and our local schools. Tonight, we would like to recognize Scott Mumford and Warren Station. At this time, we'll hear from our Indian River Student Government representative. Good evening, everyone. I am Jordan Gonzalez, the co-treasurer of Student Council. As a representative of the student body, I can say this school year has started off strong. This school year has felt like a restart since the pandemic. The pandemic complicated many things like attendance and extracurriculars. Last year, students had a hard time settling back into the school year. Since the first day of school, the administration had made it clear what the expectations were for this school year. They want us to have a safe, fun, and respectful environment. The school has recently introduced Project Kudos. Project Kudos is a fundraising method to raise money while bringing students together. Students have enjoyed shouting out their friends while also raising money for students in need. This is a great way for students to interact with each other. Extracurriculars have begun. Sports teams have kicked off their seasons and most have had several victories. Last week, our volleyball team 
defeated Ursline, and the soccer team defeated Laurel 6-0. Clubs have held interest meetings and recruited new members. Student government elections are next Friday, moving us into homecoming season. All classes have, home, have had homecoming meetings determining the float and hallway decorations. The senior class has been busy with college essays and applications. The English department has been a major help while writing and drafting our essays. All in all, I think our high school is off to a great start. We have a lot of pride in our school and faith in the staff that they will provide us with safety and a respectful environment to help us learn and enjoy the rest of our school year. Thank you. Thank you. At this time in our meeting, we come to the part where there is our public comments time. That is 15 minutes that is allowed in the beginning of the meeting and 15 minutes that is allowed at the end. We do have one person signed up to speak, and that is Brooke Dornstead. Good evening. My name is Brooke Darmstetter. I'm a Sussex Central alumni. My husband and I have three children in the district, two at Sussex Central and one at East Millsboro. Thanks to Mr. Powell, a former principal, the motto SC, success with class, has always stuck with me. To say that success with class was lacking at the Sussex Central versus Hodgson football game would be an understatement. I'd like to read a few excerpts from the district bullying policy, which is readily available on the website. It indicates that bullying is prohibited by the district and goes on to state that bullying means any intentional written, electronic, verbal, or physical act or actions against a student, school volunteer, or school employee that a reasonable person under circumstances should know will have the effect of, and there's a few bullet points, but I'll only highlight two, creating a hostile, threatening, humiliating, or abusive educational environment due to the pervasiveness or persistence of action, or due to a power differential between the bully and the target. Perpetuating bullying by inciting, soliciting, or coercing an individual or group to demean, dehumanize, or cause emotional, psychological, or physical harm to another student, school volunteer, or school employee. We always hear that good leadership starts at the top, so I'm particularly troubled by this exchange by Mr. Layfield and the Hodgson coaches. Clearly, I've thought an awful lot about this, and I have a few questions that I'm hopeful the district will be addressing as a result of this incident. If our district allows its representatives to behave in a manner such as those detailed in this policy with no repercussions, what message does this send to students and to their parents? Sussex Central is led by a capable and amazing team of administrators. I know many of them personally and truly believe they're great people with a real passion for education and a desire to do right by their students. If the Hodgson coaches or Mr. Layfield were out of line, it should have been addressed by one of the administrators present at the game. We need to understand why didn't that happen? If we continue to allow home fans to keep away fans in line, it's a disaster waiting to happen. Is there a conflict of perceived, excuse me, is there a conflict or a perceived conflict of interest having Mr. Layfield as board, of the, uh, board president and Dr. Layfield as the principal of Sussex Central? 
Are the staff members at Sussex Central and in the Indian River School District able to voice their opinions and concerns without the real or perceived fear of retaliation? 30 seconds. Central's current mission statement reads, so I'll skip. How do you teach students to be responsible global citizens when we choose to turn the other cheek in situations such as these? When I say we, I don't just mean teachers and administrators. Think about that. I challenge all of us to stop being the community that sits idly by while we see people doing wrong. I'm clearly troubled by this, but I implore the district to do what it takes to return this school to one that is widely respected and always known to have success with class. Thank you. At this time, we did not have anyone else that was signed up to speak, but is there anyone in the audience that would like to come forward at this time? Seeing none, we will move on. Six point oh one school choice applications for the year twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three. Good evening, everyone. On your board docs tonight, if you will be kind enough to look, we have a total of twenty five school choice applications. Uh, we are asking to accept twenty two of those decline two due to discipline and attendance, and decline one due to attendance. So moved. Second. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank, Thank you. you. 6.02 National Lunch Week School Lunch Week Resolution. Yes, thank you, Mrs. Wright. Uh, Mr. Toomey, our Supervisor of Nutrition Services, is unable to join us uh, this evening, but I would like to read his resolution. Whereas the Indian River School District Board of Education wishes to recognize the significant contribution of the National School Lunch Program, and whereas the National School Lunch Program makes our children healthier, stronger, and better able to concentrate on their studies, and whereas more than 7,000 Indian River students choose a school lunch every day, guaranteeing them a sound, well-balanced meal, and whereas the School Nutrition Association has coordinated activities to increase public understanding of how the National School Lunch Program benefits the child, the home, the farm, industry, and the nation. Now, therefore, we, the Indian River School District Board of Education, do hereby declare the week of October 10th through the 15th, 2022, as school lunch week and the month of October 2022 as school lunch month in the Indian River School District and appreciate how the program contributes to the health, vigor, and prosperity of our district. Uh, Mrs. Wright, that we would ask the board to consider action on that this evening. A motion to accept the resolution? So moved. moved. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? It is unanimous. 6.03 National School Bus Safety Week Resolution. Thank you. I would ask that Mr. Tidwell, our Supervisor of Transportation, join us at the podium uh, for the resolution. Mr. Tidwell. Good evening. In recognition of a school bus safety week, whereas the Indian River School District I didn't break my readers, bear with me. Board of Education 
Whereas the Indoor School District Board of Education wishes to recognize the importance of school bus safety, and whereas the National Association for Pupil, Sa for Pupil Transportation has petitioned every state in the union to proclaim a school bus safety week, and whereas National School Bus Safety Week observance seeks to emphasize the need for increased care when near a school bus and to focus public attention on the importance, the importance pupil transportation plays in the total education program. And whereas the Indian River School District will be emphasizing pupil awareness of school bus riding techniques, loading and unloading laws through the major media sources, school bus standards for school buses, and expanding school bus driver training to protect our pupils during the 22-23 school year. And whereas the Indian River School District is transporting approximately 9,300 students daily on school buses. And whereas, since the safety of our students cannot be overemphasized, and the outstanding record set by the pupil transportation system of the Indian River School District should be recognized. Now, therefore, we, the Indian River School District Board of Education, do hereby declare the week of October 17th through the 21st, 2022, as School Bus Safety Week in the Indian River School District and urge all citizens to support the district's program of school bus safety. Thank you, Mr. Tidwell. And again, we would ask the board to take action on that resolution this evening. Motion to accept. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. 6.04, Indian River School District assessment data and action steps. Yes, I'd ask that Dr. Jerns, Director of Secondary Education, and Ms. Dorman, Director of Elementary Education, uh, join us here on the, at the podium to present our uh, school district data and action steps this evening. Good evening. Thank you. Good evening. We are here this evening to present to you the data that we have been sharing over the last two months at the Curriculum Committee meeting, and more importantly, to share with you the action steps that we're taking this year as a district to ensure that we improve on the data we're about to share. You will see in the title of the presentation, Baseline Data to Recovery. This is the phrase that the state of Delaware is using, considering we're coming off of a few years of a COVID mess. I hate to say that word, but we're coming off of a um, little bit of a mess, and we see this as a new baseline of data that we have to work from and to grow from here. So on the next slide, you will see that all of our schools are held to accountability through the state of Delaware, which is a part of the um, the ESSA regulation with the feds. And on that chart, it will show you by grade level how our schools are held accountable. And that measures everything from English and math proficiency, which is from Smarter Balanced and SAT. You'll see on down through attendance, college and career readiness, and then on track in ninth grade, which measures a student having at least four credits to get them into 10th grade. Good evening. I'm going to share some of the elementary data and we're going to start with ELA. You will notice um, when we dig into the data that we're going to look at it as a whole uh, group instead of the subgroup data. But keep in mind that each school, their admin team has looked at the subgroup data as well as their school leadership teams and then their grade level teams. So the first slide we're going to look at is the percent of third graders who show proficiency on the Delaware English language arts standards. 
And you will note that we did think, even though this is the baseline to recovery, that we should give you data prior to the pandemic. So in orange will be smarter what our proficiency looked like in 2018. In the blue, it's 2019, and then smarter 2022. On the far left, we start with Delaware, then Indian River as a whole, John M. Clayton, then East Millsboro, Georgetown Elementary, Long Neck, LB, North Georgetown, Philip Shaw, and then SDSA. On the next slide, you will see the percent of fourth graders who show proficiency in the ELA in the same order so that you can see how our students have performed in 2018, 2019, and then 2022. Keep in mind, we were shut down on March 13th of 2019, so that's why you don't see data during the All right, on the next slide will be our fifth grade data. Same order. You'll see Delaware on the far left, and then we'll go through each one of our schools, making all the way to SDSA on the end. Any questions about the ELA? We are going to talk about the action steps after we go through the math portion. All right, on the next slide would be math, and it goes in the same order. So we have third graders first, starting um, with 2018, again in orange. The blue is 2019, and then the green is 2022. You can see Delaware and how we compare to them, IR overall, and then each one of our schools. And then on the next slide would be fourth grade for math. And then on the next slide would be fifth grade. All right, and we felt like the most important um, information that we could share is what are we doing to address the needs? Because clearly we have needs across the district that we need to address. And so this summer when we worked with the administrative teams, we dug into the data and then we talked about what action steps are we taking and how are we gonna hold ourselves accountable to meet the needs of our students. So you can see the area of focus for um, elementary is proficiency in the Delaware standards for both ELA and math in our subgroup and closing that achievement gap for our African-Americans, our special education, and our multilingual learners, formerly known as our ELs. And that's the focus in both of our areas in ELA and math. And our action steps. We're lucky to be in person, so we have been able to hire reading, math, and ML interventionists. And those individuals meet with our students in Tier 2 and Tier 3 instruction to address their specific needs. And in each one of our schools, they have specific times where they um, have the interventionists work with students in order to address these needs. It's structured time through MTS reading and math. And these were funded through ESSER, through Opportunity Grants, Student Success Block Grants, in order to address our students' needs. In addition, we have our, and are going to offer after school and summer programming. Um, we will 
focus on ELA and math, and this is also funded through ESSER Opportunity Grant, IDEA, and Title I. In addition, in the elementary, as we worked as a group to brainstorm some of our action steps, we have an instructional calendar framework and pacing guide. We felt like it's important for our teachers to focus on Tier 1 instruction, ensuring that all of the standards are being addressed so that the, the learning gap does not get larger. So that is at no cost to the district. We work as, um, they work with myself, the principals do, and then take it back to their school leadership teams for feedback so that we are ensure that we're covering every standard before they leave that particular grade level. And then finally, um, an action step that we have is professional learning communities. We spent a lot of time um, this summer and even kicking off the year with our teachers with a focus on our PLCs. And during that time, it gives teachers the opportunity to dig into data so that it's data-driven. They're working collaboratively to plan for that small group instruction so that we can address students' needs. And again, that's at no cost for us. We felt like it was also important to address how are we going to hold ourselves accountable, making sure that we are making growth with all of our students. So we do have district common assessments at the elementary level and in ELA and math, and we put all of our data into iTracker. This allows school teams to look at the data. They can do it as a grade level, and they also have the opportunity to dig into individual students and their needs, and that is no cost. District data pools. All of our teachers um, put the data in to iTracker, and then I pull all the data together for the principals so that they can take it back to their school leadership teams and then their grade level teams so that they can dig into the data and determine the needs of their students at those particular grade levels. Um, not only do we do it for ELA and, and math, but we also have online platforms like um, iReady and Dibbles that we can use as a, as a measure to ensure that we're meeting needs. We also spent time with formal evaluations. Um, this is a great way for us to assess what's happening in classrooms. So our evaluators are able to provide meaningful feedback and focus on those student improvement goals. It allows for follow-up and coaching so that we can continue to support our teachers in meeting the needs of their students. Again, no cost. And then finally, we talked about learning walks. Our administrators are committed to um, conducting at least five learning walks per week, each one of the members of their team, where they can provide targeted and ongoing feedback around instructional practices. And then our professional learning communities, data-driven, focused on the planning and the delivery of, of uh, instruction that meets the needs of our students. Again, no cost. So as you can see, we have a plan for action steps that will address needs, as well as how we're going to hold each other accountable to meeting the needs of our students. Questions about the elementary before we dig into secondary. Thank you. So I will share both the middle school and high school data with you, beginning with middle school ELA proficiency data. And as you can see on the slide, I'll, I'll repeat just to make sure we're all on the same page. This data covers the years prior to COVID, um, and 2019, we shut down on March 13th, 2019, right before we were doing the Smarter Balanced Assessment. So the timing was just perfect, I guess you could say. And then 2022 from this past spring, because it indicates to us where we are now post-COVID and where we need to get back to. Um, we have always maintained a standard at and above the state. And um, as grim as this looks in a post-COVID world, we are still at or above the state with these per percentages. 
So you'll see on the far left is Delaware, then Indian River School District, and then we have the middle schools separated out, Georgetown Middle, Millsboro Middle, Selbyville, and SDSA. Seventh grade follows the same structure, same order. And likewise for eighth grade ELA. Now we will move into middle school math, starting with sixth grade, same order, same years. Seventh grade. and eighth grade. And as Ms. Dorman shared, we're sharing with you the, the general group of all students, um, but we, as well as our school admin teams, have dug down into the subgroup data, and I will talk about that with the action steps. So now moving into the high school data, which I'm gonna share with you this evening, SAT and graduation rate data. Now, there was good conversation. Dr. Hattiger, you asked the question specific around SAT and how many states are testing. So I gathered some information for you, and I wanted to share um, that with you in these first few slides. So as you can see on that first slide of SAT Food for Thought, there are currently eight states that participate in the SAT and have it count as their state accountability measure for high schools. Now, you're going to see a slide in a few that... Um, shows all states, and on that slide you'll see actually 11 states who use the state SAT as accountability, but that has dropped. That data was from 2019. This data that I'm sharing with you tonight is from spring 2022, okay? So there are currently eight states in the same situation as Delaware. SAT is the high school measure for proficiency. Um, there is expected for accountability 100% participation. The state of Delaware and Indian River is always at the state performance level or above. We sit at around 95, typical years around 96 to 97% participation. Um, our schools do a great job of pushing that. We shut down for the assessment. And with that participation rate across states, though, the average SAT score is 1016. Now, there are 19 states that have no requirement for the SAT and do not offer the SAT in the school day. So if students want to take the SAT, they need to seek that out on their own with their families. The range of participation rates for those uh, 19 states is 2 to 6% versus our 95 to 97%. The average student participation rate among those states is 2.4 with an SAT score average of 1209. That's almost 200 points higher when the participation rate is much, much, much lower. There are five different states that provide the in-school SAT, but it's not, the participation is not required. So there is no expectation of students attending school on that day. It is actually the option if the student wants to come and take the SAT when it's being offered at the school. So the state accountability for these five states only measure students who choose to take it. 
So the range of student participation in those states is 29 to 80%. There's a huge range there with the average participation rate of 56%, with the average SAT score of 1051. You can see how this changes based on the participation rate. And all other states not included in this, and if anyone's interested in the specific state data, I have it, I can email it to you. Schools administer a variety of assessments to measure state accountability. Um, they include Smarter Balance, PARC, most states use the ACT, um, and the average SAT participation rate in states that give a choice in which test students want to take is around 36%, with the SAT score average of 1097. So with that being said, on the next slide, again, this is from 2019, my data is from 2022, you can see just where states fall according to the level of state accountability. And again, just keep in mind that's two years old. So with that, here is our 2022 SAT data. You'll see there's the national total number of students um, in the whole nation, what the average score was with Delaware and then Indian River School District and then broken out by our two high schools. And I'll give you a moment to look at that. And I will move into the graduation rate date, data. So the state of Delaware actually captures graduation rate data three different times. They ca capture the four-year cohort, meaning kids who come into us as freshmen graduate in a four-year timeline as expected. Um, that is four-year cohort data. That's the graduation rate that you see um, shown here on that slide. They will do two more verification processes. They'll do one at year five and one at year six. And the reason they do that is because they're verifying attendance of students. They verify if at some point in time they did eventually graduate, whether it was through credit recovery. So for example, we've already had graduation at both of our high schools. Uh, and we will not get the state verification report for our graduation rate until August. So it's more than a year later that we actually get our four-year snapshot. So to tell you what this year's graduation rate is, I cannot. That's why you see this data only taking you through 2021. That's because they do a very hearty attendance and tracking of where are these students and did they graduate. So now I'm going to take you into secondary action steps and you'll see Let's many, I'm sorry. Slow down for just a second sure. if, if I can please. Okay, so basically it does prove my point that um, we are being compared apples to oranges with the other state, and that was my, my comment. Okay, because if, if uh, the, score, the schools that score the highest, and that's a pretty big difference, are only testing the top, that's what you're gonna get. So, so therefore to compare us on SATs to other school systems really is not a fair thing to do. Okay, um, if you go down. May I comment on that Certainly. First? So you'll find that with the states who choose not to use the SAT or not use it in the same manner as us, that is not necessarily their state accountability measure. That's so, fine, but I'm not yeah. talking about their state accountability measure. I'm talking about SATs, okay? And when you have this released to the public, you made a distinction that the public may not see. 
the public is going to see SAT Delaware at the bottom, and we're going to go, no, 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 you have accountability rates, and the public yeah. is going to go, yeah, but look at the SATs. And frankly, listening to the radio over the last umpty zillion years, that's the way it comes out. Yeah. Okay, so it is truly not a fair comparison. All right, Correct. so the accountability stuff, fine, that's well and good, but it does not change the fact that the SATs are, are uh, you know, not being presented the same. Okay, I am disappointed going down to the 2022 SATs um, that we couldn't even come up to the Delaware average. Indian River did, Sussex Central did not. Okay, we're 912, Delaware's 931, and to me the 959 average national total is meaningless. That number means absolutely nothing given the way the stats are collected. So in this case, you could have left that one out and it wouldn't have changed the thoughts at all. In this case, we could only be compared to Delaware. So, you know, part of my position the other day when I commented on it is, is good, the other part is not. I mean, I'll, I'll admit yeah. that. All and right, I so, think that's why you. you're seeing more and more states decide not to use the SAT as their measure. They're, they're taking that out of the public realm of this is how we're held accountable. Yes, but because it also of makes it very difficult then to compare educational outcomes on an sure. even basis from one state to the next. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, when we're talking to the public, we need to let them know that this exists and therefore you cannot compare from, it, you're comparing numbers that came from a different spot. Mm -hmm. And that was, again, my whole point for bringing it up in the first place. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah. I know playing with numbers like this is not fun unless you're really a number cruncher, which really we should be teaching, not crunching numbers. Okay, but as far as the national I have more SAT score here, that does not mean much at all. Okay. But, you know, for us to average 912 with the Delaware 931, eh, not so good. All right, so thank you. Yeah, sure. Any other questions before I go into action steps? So you will see many similarities here between us and elementary. Um, we did, when I met with the secondary principals and we really dug into our data, it came down to two points. There's, of course, the SAT gap groups, which in this case, looking at the sub-data, our biggest gaps are between um, the all students and then African-American, low-income, Hispanic, and special ed. So across, um, some of this is different for secondary schools, but everyone through ESSER funding, Title I, Opportunity Grant, we do not as secondary get the student success block grant. So you'll see that missing from the secondary. But we use that funding and have used it for the past few years for schools to offer opportunities for after school programming, summer school, which we have been holding. Um, and then of course, ESSER funding specifically for student interventionists. Now the opportunity grant is funding, I'm sure you've heard in the news where the state now has to provide funding specific to academic needs for EL students and low income students. That's called opportunity grant funding. The funny thing is, is we're required to get it, but we have to submit a grant application each year for it. Fortunately, with this year's um, submission, all schools in our district was afforded the opportunity grant funding. In years past, we can say that Indian River, uh, SDSA haven't been given that money. So we have hired um, interventionists specifically to work with, and because we're a Title I school, most of our schools have high poverty rates. So these interventionists work specifically with those students. We've also had um, Dr. Layfield at Sussex Central High School has made some master schedule adjustments that we think are going to provide more time for the intervention interventions. 
and for more time for EL students to be immersed into their core curriculum areas. So we're hoping that that helps um, revamping of school-based PLCs. PLCs is there's a planning time individually for each teacher in our buildings each day. Well, as part of that, we also give a PLC time. This is where they meet with seventh grade math teachers can get together and all talk seventh grade math within the building. This year, putting a focus on the data analysis, and for the first time, we have a secondary instructional calendar framework where we have common assessments, and we are going to be meeting quarterly with teachers across the district to look at the data from those common assessments so that we can hold ourselves accountable. Where do we need to make adjustments in instruction? And I'll echo what Ms. Dorman said, that fortunately we do have kids in front of us now all of the time. So they're getting quality face-to-face -face time with their teachers, um, and we hope that that provides us enough data that we can use it during PLCs to guide instruction in the right way. We're going to hold ourselves accountable to that. We're going to be um, our specialists who work with our ML students um, are going to be presenting to principals at the October principals meeting around interim assessments with through WIDA, the access testing. We're hoping that with the midterm assessment, you know, usually with our window would fall around November, December. We're hoping that'll provide us extra data for our ML students because that is a consistent gap in that data. So there's a midpoint check that is a count accountability checkpoint for us. Um, the second group is our graduation gap groups. So in talking with both of the high school principals, you'll see um, on that slide that both of them have graduation gaps with ML students, formerly known as EL students. And then specific to those two schools, um, Sussex Central has a focus on their Hispanic subgroup, while Indian River has a focus on the African American. So some things we're doing there, we talked a lot about relationships and the individual relationship building with these students. Because you're talking, it could be a small handful of kids that we need to make contact with, we need to track to make sure they're going to graduate and earning the credits they need to earn. So the credit recovery, we use Title I funding for that. And in alternative options for original credit, which our policy does allow with approval from district. So if you have a student who is on track possibly to graduate but hits an obstacle where they need one additional credit but there isn't a, an opportunity for them to get that class, we can offer an alternative option through Edmenum, um, which is an online platform under teacher tutelage in the building. It's not something they do from home. So that's just another option that we're looking and likewise, the accountability timeline, uh, we have the district common assessments, uh, data-focused PLCs. We are doing the quarterly benchmarking. Now we have to pay for substitutes for teachers to come together. And if we're still encountering issues with substitutes, then, of course, we won't do that. We don't want to take teachers out of a building when there's an issue. Um, but we do use Title I funds for those substitutes. And learning walks and formal feedback from evaluations, as Ms. Dorman shared. So questions about that? No, just a basic comment. I remember first joining the board, we were given like 500,000 to educate all the ELA students, and that number did not change for the better part of five to seven years. It's nice to see the state finally catching up and recognizing that we have a problem, whereas in the past, they kept dumping more and more students on us like that, asking us to pick up the tab for the whole thing. And I think part of the reason we are here today is because of that lack of early intervention on the state's part.
Okay, and that happened it was within the first, I'd say, five to seven years of my being on the board, and that gradually the number picked up. Yeah. But it never picked up to the point that we actually needed to handle the students. Okay, you know, interesting. Yeah. So finally, here we are, 15, 17 years later, and uh, the state woke up. Unfortunately, we're able to use that Monday money um, for personnel because there's nothing better than okay. a teacher with a and student. And that's a good thing. And of course, after school and summer programs yep. is what we use it for. So those students who aren't getting everything they need during the day through our intervention system, we offer the TIS process, you know. We offer all these supports, but we are still going to work to make sure that we can provide the after school and the summer programming as needed. So on the next slide, we tried to create a graphic that captures everything that we do offer typically. Um, this is, a, our teachers go above and beyond. So this is a snapshot of everything that they do, everything that our administrators do to try to catch students um, every moment when they struggle. And then a little announcement Probably. Uh, we've been working through curriculum committee and Dr. Statler on what are some other things that we could do to try to provide parents and their families support if they're still struggling. And the idea around an evening tutoring program has come up. So what we've done is we've sent a survey out to our staff. The data, the survey closed this morning, so our group is going to be getting together to take a look at that data. Now, of course, it will depend on how many teachers we have interested in participating. Um, we have offered to pay their per diem rate for after hours tutoring up to an hour and a half per week. It could be two days of 45 minute sessions or one day of an hour and a half of their choice. Um, and so we're going to analyze that data and see if we have the interest in that. If we do have the staff interest, then a survey will go to parents to see if there's interest there. So any questions for Ms. Dorman or I? I don't necessarily have a question. I just want to comment that um, I appreciate the amount of work that's gone into this and especially the action steps. It's, um, it's easy to look at the data and be alarmed. And yes, we do have a lot of things to strengthen, but we also, I think, have a really robust um, start to a plan um, to try to recover some of this learning for our students. So I just want to say thank you for that. And also, um, Dr. Owens, I know we talked about having a quarterly report um, given to the board so that we are not waiting until the end of the school year to analyze this and to be able to you know, discuss and again, um, provide interventions if we need to do so. So I look forward to that report at the end of the first quarter as well. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on, we'll go to 6.05. Kitchen Services Equipment Repair Bid. Good evening. Mr. Toomey submitted an RFP um, through the normal state process um, for kitchen equipment repair. Um, we received one response. We analyzed the proposal, and EMR was the successful bidder. So we're looking for board approval of that contract. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. 
6.06, New Citizens Budget Oversight Committee member. Um, if you recall, we had five vacancies on the CBOC. We advertised for new members. We received four applications and brought those four members to you. Um, we re-advertised for the one remaining vacancy, received four applicants for that, and scored their applications. And Gina Jennings was the successful candidate, um, so she will be joining the CBOC. Thank you. 6.07, Schools Resource Officer, SRO contract. Yes, thank you. Over the last uh, couple months, we've been in consult with the town of Ocean View. We've, um, for consideration of an Ocean View PD officer, full-time as the SRO at Lord Baltimore Elementary, um, we are absent a constable at the school now. Currently, we have a, a substitute filling in, and... I can say Ocean View has been very gracious in uh, supporting us at the school daily um, with needs that, that may arise. Uh, recently, their town council uh, agreed to accept a contribution should the board accept that of $40,000 towards that full-time SRO uh, at Lord Baltimore uh, for the remainder of this school year. So uh, again, I ask that the board tonight consider uh, that request from Ocean View for us for that full-time SRO and our contribution of 40000 Motion to approve. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. 6.08, New Sussex Central High School consideration a bids for bid pack A. Yes, thank you. Um, Mr. Booth and our team, I know uh, Brad Cohen here, uh, Cowan is here from RYJ and Carl Cronin from our architect team to uh, share bid pack A information. Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you. In your board docs, uh, you should have a bid tabulation form uh, for bid pack A. You will notice that the, there was very tight grouping from the three contractors, and we're here tonight to answer any questions. Um, and that'll be our construction management team um, with Orwai Johnson and also our architect, Carl Creed. Thank you, Joe. Good evening, everyone. Uh, let me start by saying that we have, within the Sussex Central High School, we have two bid packages. Bid pack A, which is the site work, which we'll talk about this evening and then there's bid package B. Bid package A represents 10% of the overall budget. Bid package B, which won't be bid for another uh, about three months just as it's going through approvals, represents the remaining construction of the project. So we also have, one, as I said, one site work contract, and then there'll be 18 more contracts in the subsequent bids. Bid pack A, we were over with the, uh, we had competitive bids, as Joe had mentioned, but we were over on that particular contract, which uh, equals about 2% of the overall project budget. So on a project of this size, that's not uncommon to have some contracts higher than the budget, some lower, but in the end, historically, they average out in the end. So that's just the market as it fluctuates up and down. The 90% 
that is remaining, we can easily close that gap of the monies that we need to we find now for this particular contract. This scenario actually helps us slightly in a, in a, in a way that the, we know what the site work contract is now and we know what adjustments we may need to make moving forward in the, in the bid package B, which is, like I said, the remaining contracts. Um, if we wait, there's been some talk about that. If we postpone it, uh, the bid a month, it really offers no advantage because right now we have those numbers in place. We are not bidding bid package B for three more months. So to wait would, would offer really no advantage at this point. Now, the other factors that go into that is DOE has language in the bond bill. They say projects that have not started, they could actually halt them because of some market pressure scenarios or concerns that they may have. So it's in our recommendation and in the best interest of the school district, we believe is to move forward with this project. The other, uh, with this particular contract, the other items that go into it are waiting any further pushes us into the winter months with site work. Right now, <clears throat> excuse me, as many of you know, the difficulties we had across the street with Howard T. Ennis starting in November, we lost uh, quite a bit of time with the site work just because of the weather. If we were to wait another month or even longer, it would push us right into the winter and cause delays on the back end. And that's something we really don't want to incur at this point. So we would encourage that we start as soon as possible. There's also been some discussion about postponing the entire project. That market is not changing much in our opinion. There are some things that are, being, are cheaper. There are some things that are more expensive. But if you look at next year and the prevailing wages that change in March, you'll be adding at least 3% of labor cost to the project right off the top with labor cost. So that, that scenario just adds money to the project. A scenario we don't want to be involved in at this point. Um, our recommendation this evening is to ask the is to award bid package A. We've talked with our architectural partner in this and talked it over with Joe and also Mark Dufendock, and we all feel that it's in the best interest to award the contract and move forward and let let us make the adjustments necessary in bid package B as we move forward and allow us to get starting with site work in early October. So our request tonight is for the approval of bid package A. And I'll answer any questions that you may have. In terms of dollars, it's at 15.6. Mm -hmm. The original estimate was around 10, correct? That's correct, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a lot, like I said, but in the overall project, it's about 2%. So easily can close the gap on that in that portion. Okay, my understanding was is that compared to what we originally voted on is that we're still short. Um, I think this is another case of the state not stepping up to its responsibilities since we properly planned, properly laid it out, and could have done what we were going to do um, had they not intervened by shutting everything down the way they did. Um, having said that, I would make a motion that we accept it and move forward. We, we need to keep moving. If, if nothing else, the state has got to understand that they have a responsibility for some of the things that they've done. Um, and meanwhile, we have a responsibility to our kids to get them in a building where they can be uh, properly taught without the extreme crowds that we have at Sussex Central right now. 
And that's not our fault. It's simply not our fault. We have a motion on the floor. Do we have a second? Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you very much. 6.09, New Sussex Central High School Construction Design for Bid Pack B. Thank you. Um, it is a requirement to have the board approve the construction documents for the New Sussex Central High School. The plans are made available tonight for board members as well as the public. They're out in the hallway um, as we speak. The design team as well as the construction managers are here to answer any questions. Our hope is to get board approval tonight so that when uh, DFM finishes their review, uh, we can place on my market my marketplace for bid for bidding as discussed at buildings and grounds committee the preferred timeline is to have the board in consideration in november or if needed in december um, so we ask for a motion to approve the construction documents and carl i don't know if you want to add anything so as bid package a was the site bid package b is the building uh, this is the big one that's the 18 other contracts that we request to, fin uh, to bid out. We're finishing the documents this week, actually, and they will be ready to bid shortly uh, through uh, my marketplace and through RYJ. Uh, as mentioned, it is, it is really the, almost the balance of the project of the building. However, there's a few bid packages that will come uh, in later months, including fixtures, furniture, equipment, uh, signage, technology, and so forth, minor stuff, but this is the brunt of the project. Uh, and we're asking uh, to move forward again, as was mentioned earlier, to, to keep moving, uh, to keep on track, and to keep on schedule. And I'd be happy to answer any questions. Uh, as, as Joe mentioned, the, the drawings are outside of, uh, for uh, anybody that has any, any specific questions about the, uh, the details of the design. Um, do we have a motion? Motion made to approve. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Thank you. 6.10, Christina Perfetti Memorial. Yes, in your bid docs, or excuse me, in your, excuse me, talking about bid docs a lot. In your board docs or suggestions from the NS staff to honor past principal Chris Perfetti. It is artwork designed by an artist, Dr. Jeffrey Oxer, and it would be funded by contributions. Um, if there's any questions, I'm sure Principal uh, Kansak will be glad to come up and answer them. Uh, the committee wanted, uh, the Buildings and Grounds Committee wanted this brought uh, before the board for discussion and informational pur purposes. There's not really any action uh, to be considered here, uh, but I'm sure they would appreciate your input. Uh, so you see parts of the design that are in there. It's artwork uh, that will be uh, displayed in the new uh, Ennis building. Yes, uh, I would ask if Mrs. Kansak and I believe I see Mrs. Timmons here uh, would help us. It was helpful the description that you provided at our committee meetings and uh, I think it's actually a really uh, neat idea, the way to honor Chris. So if you could share with us and the board uh, what this will actually look like. 
Hello. Hello. Um, if you can see some examples um, to the right of the stage, or to the right and left of the stage, there are um, two pictures here that we would kind of like to show. They will kind of be in the form of like a sunflower. Everybody knew Chris, they kind of knew that her favorite flower was a sunflower. And then as you walk into the entranceway and look to the left, um, the wall there, we are going to display um, kind of like a sunflower field. And around the framing of that, we would have everybody that knew Chris that wanted to sign their name around the frame. And then also at the bottom, we're asking her sister Heather for a quote that she maybe knew that Chris liked or something along the educational lines to put there and honor her. Is there any other questions? On any questions, concerns, comments? On each comment? side of the stage um, where we were talking about the first picture that you guys saw, you'll see there's like a, a little like rectangle that's shaded in. There are two speakers on each side of the stage, so these would be would kind of capture both of them and, and balance it on the left and right. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you. I'll just mention uh, the building uh, would be uh, certainly acceptable for a tour. Uh, next month's meeting at Sussex Central, if you wanted to come early, maybe we could accommodate uh, any of the board members come in there and take a look. It's a little unfair to, to try to picture a, a cafeteria without uh, actually seeing it, but uh, maybe next month if you if uh, board members are interested, we'll, we'll uh, certainly try to get you a tour. Okay. Thank you. 6.11 North Georgetown Elementary request for snack garden Muriel. Yes, this was shared during our Buildings and Grounds, and I believe Mrs. Green is here with us this evening. She could share some additional information. Mrs. Green? Good evening. Yes, uh, we would like to request the approval for a mural to accompany our snack garden. Uh, that is an initiative and a grant uh, that we were presented with about two years ago that really encompasses our uh, school community in supporting our students, understanding just the science and the nutrition behind how uh, vegetables are grown and the importance of that um, by caring for the garden with our families and students on a daily basis, and they also receive uh, weekly uh, lessons within the garden itself. If there aren't any questions, uh, we ask for uh, uh, board's approval. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. That is unanimous. 6.12 Sussex Central High School Advertising Gymnasium Banner Template. Of course, um, in your board docs is an example of an advertising banner uh, for proud Sussex Central athletic supporter. It's paid for by the sponsors and it will be hung in the Sussex Central gym. 
board presentation and the request for approval was made by the committee. I'm sure Dr. Layfield would be glad uh, to comment or answer any questions. If, if there are none, a uh, motion to approve is recommended. Did we, did we ask for the size? In the did we what? Did we ask him for what size the banner was going to be in the meeting? In committee meetings. We we did. Committee meetings. Yes. <clears throat> yep. They will be smaller than what we have out to our stadium, which are four by eight, uh, like the sheet of plywood. These are actually going to be, I believe, uh, three by six or dimensions thereabouts. That way, obviously, the the stadium um, you've got more space along the fences so everything will be uniform which is what we're what we're looking for yeah. so moved second all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. aye aye opposed that is unanimous 6.13 Howard T N is change order request for outdoor classroom thank you um, in your board documents again there are four change orders uh, with the IAA document um, information for the new Ennis School. They are change order 19, which is relocate and add a downspile to the south canopy. Um, it was an architectural uh, request and it's for $4,509. Uh, change order 20 was add a smart board and a tag board to uh, the life skills, which was a district request. It was $3,804. Uh, change order 21 was to add a condensate pump to the fan coil unit. It was an architect uh, request, uh, $1,557. And change order 22 was to add electric and receptacles uh, for the changing tape tables. And that was an architect and uh, district request. It was $3,385. Uh, per board policy, notification of these uh, spending approvals must be made to the board, and a motion uh, to accept the report is recommended. Any questions? Um, have we already voted on that outdoor classroom? That's next. Because what I'm looking at under outdoor classroom, we have a a roof and, and some other things. Now, remember when that came up, one of the questions that I had about it was, are we adding electric to it for potential right. lights? And I, I'd still like to say that we need to have some kind of an electrical setup in there so that in the future, huh? if this is on a concrete pad, that that could be added. If I remember right, they told us that there was going to be one electrical outlet available, but frankly, if you're doing a 16 by 20, I don't believe that's adequate, but that's me. Okay. Uh, excuse me, Dr. Hanniger. I missed, uh, that was a change order that I missed. Uh, it was a change order uh, to discuss about whether or not to have a wood pavilion or whether or not to have a metal pavilion. Is yep. that the one you're talking yeah, about? That's the one I'm talking about. And uh, I don't believe that one's come through. Um, that, I don't think that's, that's our come through. What we have in board docs, uh, Mr. Mm -hmm. Booth, is change order requests for the outdoor classroom. Right. Right. Under six point, okay. Oh, yeah. 6.13. And, and the right. and that's, that's the plans 40, I'm looking 40, at. 43, 000. 000. Mr. Booth. Yes. Mm 
Am I correct in what's in board doc shows one for the wood structure and one for the metal structure, correct? Because the other change orders you mentioned are on 6.14. They're just in reverse order. Yeah, I don't. All right, the other, the wooden structure was $31,702? Yes. Yep. Okay, and what was recommended by the, by the school staff um, at committee night um, was the metal structure by Liberty Parks Playgrounds, mm -hmm. and it was $43,517.60. So their request is, uh, from uh, for the board is for the Liberty Parks and the, the metal uh, structure that we discussed during committee. And I, I do not have an AIA document because I need to have this approved and then I can get the architect to run that. So that's part of my confusion. I'm sorry. Well, that's fine. That still takes us to the electric question, though. Yeah. Pardon? That's, that's, for me, it still boils down to the electric thing. I, I know the staff was saying they're not going to use it at night and do this and that, but if you're going to put up a structure like that, you know darn good and well in a couple of years somebody's going to figure out extra uses for it. And if we don't have adequate electric in there, it's not going to be expandable underneath the concrete. It does have electrical there. Remember, he said the um, one Park. of them said that there was a a place there for electric because they had already put it in there. If I think I'm correct. Correct. Ken Fern, the architect, said that there was electrical there. Electric package. One switch, one receptacle. Right. But in the bid for the structure, the 31,000 list specifically one electric package, one switch, one receptor, but that's not listed in the Liberty Parks. So the electric runs out there, but does this 43,000 include electric switch receptacle? There is electric out there. Um, I, I'm not sure I would have to ask the architect how he would run the electric that's out there for the canopy and the design that we're asking for from Liberty Park. That, that could be additional cost to do that electric in addition to this 43, correct? Yes, it'd probably be minor, okay. but yeah, I mean, as of right now, uh, we do have electric there that if they needed to, to play music or do something, there's a hookup there for electric. Okay. Yeah. All right, my concern on that would be fine. You put that in, it's gonna be a, on a piece of concrete. If nothing else, you should be running a conduit out there so that we can get it in and have an, an ability to have a, an electric service that would amount to what we needed. That, that's my concern, and I did not see that or hear that being talked about. I, I heard that being minimized in the uh, uh, Bowens and Grounds meeting. It's a good idea. I vote for the project. I don't have an issue with that. Um, I just think that for future expandability, we need to make it expandable. Okay. It's cheaper up front than it is later. That's my only point here, uh, Mr. Booth. Agreed. Okay. I mean, if that's what we're looking at, I'll, I'll certainly recommend that we approve the, the motion 
or you know recommend approval of the motion um, just knowing that we need to see to it that ends up in the paperwork that's all correct okay so with that stated so moved second we have a motion and a second that includes the concern of dr Hedier. all those in favor signify by saying aye aye, aye. aye. opposed that is unanimous 6.14 allowance notification for Kent construction. Yes, in your bid in your board docs uh, is an allowance um, approval for unforeseen conditions, and it's granted to or was granted to Kent Construction for a correction of two salt spots in the west parking lot. The amount was for $810.21. It'll still leave a balance of $173,863.60 in that, in that line item of unforeseen conditions. Uh, board policy requires informing the board when allowances are used. And that's just for discussion purposes. There's no action needs to be taken. Any questions? Okay. Moving on to old business, 7.01 major capital planning. Thank you. As previously discussed this evening, uh, were the bid packs, bid pack A, and design documents concerning the design for bid pack B. As noted, we still have a great deal of concern regarding the impact of our market pressures on this project. The state is still in consideration of the Artesian water proposal and contract that has been presented to Artesian for consideration. BIDPAC-B is still with the Division of Facility Management for final review pending the fire marshal's approval. The expectation is to have that BIDPAC, as we mentioned earlier, uh, by the November Buildings and Grounds Committee meeting. Uh, that concludes my major cap update for 7.01. Good. Thank you. 7.02 is Howard T. Ennis. Thank you. The construction of the front entrance curbing continues and additional paving will be started very soon. Painting, flooring, and ceiling work is nearing completion at this time. The construction team is expecting door deliveries and the installation of lighting fixtures, uh, which will begin soon. Our schedule is holding firm. The substantial completion date is October 28th and furniture is set for installation on November 21st through December 9th. And as we've previously stated, the school is scheduled to open on January 3rd, 2023. Happy to answer any questions. 7.03, GW Carver consent update. Dr. Brittingham. Good evening. Um, currently there are 24 Carver, former Carver students that are being followed through the consent order. The special education coordinators in each building are tracking the data behind the scenes for all of us. Um, and then our next Indian River School District Community Advisory Board meeting is on October 6th from 4 to 6 via Zoom. The link will be on the district website if anyone wants to join. Any questions? Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Brittingham. 7.04 Land Acquisition 2022-2023. Yes, thank you. As we have previously discussed, the district has moved forward with the acquisition of the land adjacent to East Millsboro Elementary School. That settlement occurred on September 14th, 2022, in the amount of 
$151,193.05. I just wanted to come back to the board uh, with notification that that uh, has been completed with the stated cost. Okay, moving on to committee reports, 8.01, buildings and grounds. Yeah. Okay, so the buildings and grounds uh, committee uh, met on Monday, September the 12th. As a reminder, uh, these committee meetings are open to the public and anyone can certainly attend. Uh, a lot of things that were discussed have already been acted upon at tonight's meeting. Uh, to go through the minutes, uh, minor cap improvement project update. It was reported that Indian River School District had approximately $500,000 left in their minor cap funds until December, at which time new funds will become available. Uh, picking up on Howard T. Ennis construction, um, we're looking at uh, road maintenance, uh, excuse me, road, main road entrance to be installed within two weeks. Landscaping is scheduled for mid-September. Building construction complete around October 28th. Furniture install uh, middle, or excuse me, end of November to the middle of December. Delivery of classroom boxes and supplies around the middle of December. Teachers can set up their classrooms. We're looking at the end of December with open four classes, January the 3rd, 2023. We've already discussed this evening uh, and approved for the outdoor classroom. That was uh, brought to the attention of the committee by uh, Mrs. Kansak uh, with the different options. Change order notifications, those have already been discussed and brought through the board this evening. Sussex Central High School, Brian Williams gave a brief summary and presentation on bid pack B, along with providing building plans for the committee members to inspect. Bid pack B will go before the board for consideration and construct, for construction documents. And again, a reminder, those documents uh, and plans are in the lobby this evening for, re, uh, for review. Uh, there was a detailed presentation on the budget with the latest numbers and projections for the funding of Sussex Central High School. In regarding old business, the dashboard synopsis was presented with the number of tickets that are opened and closed within the last 30 days and how many tickets have been closed so far this year, which is 815. The HVAC CARES ESSERF cooling tower replacement they're in the process of uh, getting submittals and a, a kickoff coordination meeting will be set up with a work schedule. The Georgetown reshingling uh, report was given on the completion of the roof project by George, Georgetown Elementary by Hershey Exteriors. Long neck drainage, that item was brought for the committee to inform that buildings and grounds would secure three written quotes for fixing draining, draining issues as suggested by the Davis Bowen uh, by Davis, Bow, and Friedel. Town of Millsboro agreement. The town approved the agreement with no amendments at their September 6th meeting, and the district can now ask our district attorneys to work on the IP reclaimed water agreement. And regarding new business, the memorandum for Chris Perfetti was discussed, and that was uh, again brought before the board this evening. Uh, the snack garden mural discussed, brought before the board this evening and the advertising banners in the gymnasium was discussed and brought before the board. And last but not least, there was a request made by a nuisance fox trapper to allow to trap foxes on the district property at Ingram Pond. That was tabled for more information for foxes. 
And that's it. Next meeting is October 10th. Thank you. Uh, 8.02, Comprehensive School Safety, Mr. Kappel. Thank you. Um, I want to start off by saying how thankful I am for all of our um, constables and SROs that keep our staff and students safe every day with the climate around the country. It just it makes you feel good that we have this in place. So thank you to all of you guys. Um, so I do have some updates. We've had a lot of training um, over the last about uh, almost two months. Uh, Constable Worrell completed the SWORD, that's the Solo Officer Rapid Deployment Training. That was uh, August 1st through the 5th. That was put on by the Ocean View Police Department. Um, August 19th, we had eight constables attend this, the school violence and awareness prevention training. That was at Sussex Central High School, and that was hosted by DEMA. Um, August 25th and 26th, we had four constables attend the standard reunification method training. That was also hosted by DEMA and was held at Sussex, Sussex Academy of Arts and Sciences. Um, August 30th, all of our district constables participated in the Division of Public Health, uh, Naloxone Access Program Training and Stop the Bleeding Training Course. Um, August 31st, we had two of our constables attend the Law Enforcement Forcible Entry Training at the Delaware State Fire School. Um, this was hosted by the Delaware Association Chiefs of Police, DEMA, and the Delaware State Fire School. Um, and then September 13th, constables participated in the district-supported CPI training. CPI best described as to teach best practices for managing difficult situations and disruptive behaviors in students. Uh, CPI training programs provide strategies and techniques for all levels of educational professionals from district administrators to classroom staff. These strategies, strategies focus on the care, welfare, safety, and security of all our students and staff with evidence-based trauma-informed behavior management and crisis prevention approaches. This was conducted by Mrs. Ann Brenneman and Mrs. Tara Troyce. Um, just one other thing, I'm sure a lot of people are aware, um, Indian River was, uh, we were the forerunner for the constable program. We're not alone in that business anymore. Um, Woodbridge has started a program. Laurel started a program. Uh, Seaford is on the cusp of starting one, so we are going to have some competition um, as far as uh, recruiting good constables. So um, that's something that the district is aware of, and we're taking measures to try to get the best employees and retain them. And that's all. Thank you, Mr. Gamble. 8.03, finances, Dr. Hedier. Well, with an introduction like that, I'll just keep going and uh, feed into what uh, Mr. Cathal said. The state of Delaware now has a, a program that's going to be 700000 for school safety grants. We are allowed to spend it on other personnel items, if I'm not wrong with Tammy. Um, the thing we have looked at is a possible increase in pay for our constables because it seems that the pool of personnel available has shrunk quite a bit since the other schools are all doing it. At one time, we were the only game in town and people flocked to us, okay? Now they have a chance to go to Cape, Seaford, and other places and are, and those other districts are successfully rating our personnel. So Celeste and Tammy have both been doing a very nice program on figuring out what those other folks are being paid and how we may have to increase our pay for those constables to be commensurate and still stay in the game. And I, I, I certainly appreciate the effort in that. Um, as Mr. Cathal noted, we were the leaders in this when the Attorney General told us not to do it, and we basically said, yeah, yeah, we're just gonna do it anyway and see what happens. They liked it, and then they figured out a way to make it work, to their credit. Okay, um, Constable Scale, the fiscal year 23 preliminary budgets uh, were explained. We do know that the referendum cycles are cyclical. That's 
double play on words there. A tax rate increase allows the district to add funds to the reserve over time and then eventually start spending that reserve as the district approaches the need for another current expense referendum. And this does have to happen as we add more teachers, more students. We're currently five years from our last current uh, referendum, but due to increased expenses uh, like cost increases, salary, and this year the 27th pay, we're now into deficit spending. We will need to monitor the district reserve balance closely and control spending. It's important to remember that when we did this uh, plan five years ago, uh, there were a lot of things that were not planned for because there was no way to plan for the, the pandemic and the effect that it was going to happen on the rest of us. So, you know, we had a good plan going. It may need to be adjusted at some point, okay? Okay, we'll receive the final allocation of major capital uh, improvement funds for the new Sussex Central High School fairly soon. They've talked about the state appropriating funds, uh, which is actually a good thing. They do recognize this needs to be done, and for us it'll make it a little bit easier. Um, a line item has been added to the local funds revenue section for reserve fund supplement. These are funds that would be pulled from the reserve to meet current year anticipated expenditure needs, which we do have. State and local salary expenditure lines for both district and Ennis have been increased to account for the salary scale increases and the 27th pay. Okay, due to increased expenses, athletic budgets have been raised 15% across the board. Tuition reimbursement expenditure line has been increased due to the increases negotiated in the collective bargaining agreements. ILC preliminary budgets are the same as last year's. Uh, once the unit count process is complete, we'll have a better picture of which teachers will be paid out of those funds. It was a nice meeting, and that's it. And I'm sure Mrs. Smith will cover a lot of the other stuff in a few moments on under finances. So thank 8 .04 you. 8.04 curriculum, Dr. Statler. So Dr. Durham's already presented our information for the evening, but just a point of clarity, um, Dr. Owens, I had said quarterly updates. We actually meant semester. So we'll do the first one mid-year and then monitor from there. Yeah. Great. Thank and you. If, if, if we do have information that we can provide quarterly, we would certainly sure. bring that forward. Okay. But that sounds like uh, more, more uh, aligned to when the data would become available. Right. Okay. Thank you. 8.05, DSBA Board of Directors, that would be myself, and I don't have a report as I was unable to attend the meeting. 8.06, DSBA Legislative, uh, Rodney Layfield, not here, and I don't have a report. 8.07, Special Education Task Force, Dr. Statler. So we're working to complete our preparations for Special Education Week, which is at the end of October. Um, and that's our only update for tonight. Thank you. 8.08, .08, policy, Mr. Collins. Good evening. Uh, I was unable to attend our last meeting, so thank you, uh, Dr. Owens, for running that. Um, as a result of that meeting, we do have one policy coming forward tonight as a second reading. Um, JHFB, constable use of force, uh, excuse me, constable use of deadly force. Um, no changes since it was last presented. Um, basically, the changes are dealing with legislative issues, um, changes in Delaware legislation and legal requirements. I make a motion to approve as presented. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? There was discussion pertaining to um, three policies are banned in interscholastic athletic uniforms. 
our written code of standard conduct and our school board elections policies. Um, I'll provide additional information on those next month. Any questions? 8.09 IREA representative. Good evening. Um, I had a, just a quick question first off. Are, they, are the Sussex Central High School plans that are out there, are they online anywhere? Like, are they on our website? Because I know they were looking, you know, talking about, you know, if anybody wanted to look at them or anything like that, but that doesn't really leave anybody much time to go through all those pages of documents that are out there. So I didn't yeah. know if they were scanned anywhere and on our website. I don't website. think they are because they're so large. So uh, I believe that's the, the situation. So we have made them available this evening, but I don't think there's a an area that we could actually hold them because they're so large. Joe, it, Is there a link or whatever that could be put on? I don't, I mean, just to, that from the IRSD site so we could just link it and hit that site? Or just for? We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll explore that. No, right. And then, and then uh, I mean, I just bring that up because I know that we were talking about uh, having community involvement and, you know, and, and um, trying to be transparent as a district and everything. So I'm just kind of wondering if, um, I know that we have like a webinar type thing set up for the board meetings. Would something like that be possible for the policy meetings, the building and grounds, the curriculum? Because that way people wouldn't actually have to attend, that they would still be informed of what's happening at those meetings. Like even tonight we have people that are out there listening, staying informed and able to be, you know, and talk intelligently and understand what's going on. So I just didn't know if that was a possibility as we move forward with technology and everything with our other, um, you know, other, um, committees. So it's just a suggestion to keep the community involved. Um, beyond that, um, I wanted to inform the board that um, we did have some discussion this month at our district liaison about some traffic and busing uh, potential issues. Um, they, there was uh, some issues brought up about East Millsboro Elementary and the traffic and everything that's happening there. And I do want to say that uh, I have to applaud the administration for doing everything that they can to try to address the issue, bringing in extra staff, larger signs, and the district supporting them and getting vehicles out there. There is a meeting with the police department that they said that they would have extra um, police cruisers there, but that always can't or can't always happen just because if there's a, uh, an issue in the town, they have to leave. So we, we have suggested and been told that that the district has been denied um, a traffic light being put there. And so we, meeting with the district, we're wondering, uh, moving forward, is there a way that we can work as a partnership with the district to address these safety concerns? Because we have people that are not uh, listening to the signs that are there, they're ignoring the uh, traffic guards. So we're looking to team up with the district and we've talked to Ms. Blannard um, to try to get together to address this and try to get a traffic light put there at East Millsboro. And since this discussion, there has been 
um, another school that has stepped forward and said that there is other issues that are happening with safety for our employees. And like I said, I, I have to applaud the administration in East Millsboro for stepping up and the district for getting behind it. But I think that we as a district need to get a hold of Del Dot and get a meeting and get this traffic light put in for the safety of everybody. And I think that we need to include the uh, PTO in this because eventually something's going to happen and we're going to look back at this and say, why didn't we do something? So, I, Ms. Blannard, I, I know that you're on top of it and I, I'm very well aware of that. I just want the board to be informed and to hopefully get behind that. And if you have any strings to pull a Dell dot, I think that they need to be made aware of this because it's going to um, not turn out good for somebody at some point in time. And it's a safety issue that we're all on notice about. Um, that being said, we're going to move on with, um, just want you to keep your eye on your email. We're going to have a board meet and greet um, coming up sometime later this fall. We're securing a place and a time. Uh, we're going to send that through your email. Um, hopefully each board member will take advantage of coming out and meeting the employees that represent each one of the buildings in the district. Um, it's, a, it's a good chance for you to actually meet the people that are um, in, in charge of representing all the employees in your district. So hopefully you can keep your eye on your email and be there for that. Thanks. Thank you, JR. Uh, superintendent's report. Thank you, Ms. Wright. It's been a, a busy uh, few weeks here uh, in the Indian River School District, and uh, my superintendent activities are on your board docs. I do want to highlight uh, the start of the school year and uh, start with thanking all of our uh, school teams and district teams and administrators and teachers for really jumping in and getting our schools ready uh, for our students to enter uh, for the first days of school. I was able to get around to our schools uh, that first week, uh, week and a half or so, and uh, the consensus was uh, very obvious that students were happy to be back. We saw a lot of smiling faces, a lot of excited folks um, from, from students getting off the bus, entering classrooms, et cetera. And uh, the, the feel and the vibe in the schools uh, I can say it was a, a much better feel than it's been the, the last couple years. Um, so I'm hoping we are, are moving beyond uh, where we were the last couple years and, and back to a, a more traditional status. And, uh, and again, I just want to thank our, our school teams, our district teams, and everyone involved with, with uh, making this a really successful and smooth opening to the school year and, and very, very pleased. And we are looking for good things to come here in Eden River School District. Uh, based on that that great uh, opening this year. 9.02 district calendar changes. <clears throat> yes, uh, three changes this evening. Sussex Central High School homecoming dance from October 22nd to October 15th. They're moving that uh, back uh, following their homecoming game. Change, uh, this, I do want to draw your attention to this change. Howard TNS regular school day for staff and students on December 21st to a no school day for Howard Tiena students. We want to allow that day to serve as a, um, uh, a pack up day for our staff without students there and potentially 
allow them to have extra time to move their things over to the new building. That is one day prior to the 22nd when we would close for our winter break. So we would ask the board to consider that this evening as well. So again, that would be no school for students. The staff would be there and we would uh, allocate that day for our, our staff there at Ennis to be able to get things transitioned over in preparation for our students coming in on January 3rd. And your third change is Indian River High School homecoming dance from the 15th to the 14th and that would follow their homecoming game um, uh, for the school year. Happy to answer any questions. Any questions? Need a motion? So moved. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That's unanimous. 10.01, financial summaries for month ending August 31st, 2022. Yes, the reports you have in board docs are from August 31st. We were 17% of the way through the fiscal year. We'd received 99 million in total revenue, 6 million in discretionary revenue, and 202,000 in local tax revenue. We continue to receive 0% interest, um, so we had nothing received in August. We spent $28 million in total expenses and 13 million in discretionary expenses. Our tuition-funded classrooms have spent 472000 and Howard TNS has spent $2.7 million of their budget. A motion to accept that. So moved. Second. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That place is unanimous. 10.02, detail information for month ending August 31st, 2022. Yes, yeah, some highlights from that. Our student activity funding balance is approximately 324,000. Our SRF2 funding, we've spent 12.5 million and have 700,000 remaining. SRF3, we've spent 11.8 million and have 18 million remaining. We have $22 million in federal funds total available and are holding approximately 1.1 million in donations and internal accounts. Any questions? No. Motion to accept. Accept. We have a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That was unanimous. 10.03, major capital improvements for month ending August 31st, 2022. Yes, in August we paid out $4.8 million in construction funds. Any questions? Move that we accept. I'm sorry? Move that we accept. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That was unanimous. 10.04, minor cap improvements for month ending August 31st, 2022. Yes, for minor cap, we still have the 2021 and 2022 appropriations open. We have not yet received our 2023 allocation. We've spent approximately 2.6 million of those funds and have about 644,000 remaining. Any questions? Motion to accept? So moved. Second? Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That was unanimous. 10.05, fiscal year 23 preliminary budget for Howard T. Ennis. Yes, for that budget, the state fund revenues are based on either last year's unit count and the state share of the 27th pay. Um, the local fund revenues are based on last year's actual revenues. 
which is a total of $14,624,157 total. The expenditure budgets are based either on last year's actual expenditures with adjustments to the state and local salaries for salary increases in the 27th pay or actual projected revenues based on the line item. And to match that, the total expenditure budget is $14,624,157. Questions? Motion? Ten minutes. Second. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That was unanimous. 1.01, communications. I think you skipped the 10.06. Oh, sorry. 10.06. Fiscal year 23 preliminary budget for Indian River School District. That's the big one. We need that one. <laughs> um, so state revenue, state fund revenues on that budget are based on a combination of the guaranteed units um, that we were given in the spring based on the spring estimates, salary increases in the 27th pay, FY23 DOE allocations, or prior year actual revenues, depending on the line item. Our state funds include $77 million for the remainder of the funding for Sussex Central High School from the base $146 million CN that was approved. And then, as Dr. Hattier said earlier, um, the school safety grant is back for FY23, and we are slated to receive about $700,000. Um, the local funds revenues are based on the FY23 approved tax rates and last year's actuals based on the line item. We have a new line item for the local fund supplement of approximately $3 million, which is using the reserve funds to cover our expenses. And federal fund revenues are based on the DOE allocation. So our total revenue budget is $281,421,916. The expenditure budgets then are based on either last year's expenditures with adjustments to salaries for salary increases in the 27th pay or actual projected revenues, again, based on the line item. As Dr. Hattier stated, we increased the athletic budgets by 15% for increased costs, and the tuition reimbursement expenditures went up based on the collective bargaining agreement. So to match that, our total expenditure budget is $281,421,916. And these will both be updated once the final unit count numbers are in, probably December, January timeframe. Any questions? Motion to approve? So moved. Second. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? That passes unanimous. Now 11.01. <laughs> Thank you. We do have three uh, field trip requests uh, on our agenda this evening. Overnight trip by Sussex Central High School FFA on September 29th through 30th to Camp Barnes in Frankfurt. A Sunday trip by Sussex Central High School French 4 class on October 9th to Rehoboth Beach and an overnight trip by Indian River High School FFA on September 29th through the 30th to Camp Barnes in Frankfort. And I would ask for board action on those field trips. Motion to approve. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, personnel 12.01, personnel agenda for September 26, 2022. I would ask for a motion for the agenda excluding 103, 137, and 145. So moved. Second. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? 
Motion carries. A motion to accept 103. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain. Mr. Stubblefield, will you pull the board? Mr. Castle? Abstain. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Frick? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight yes, zero no, and one abstention. Motion passes. A motion to accept number 145. So moved. Second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? I abstain. Would you pull the board? Mr. Castle? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Ms. Moses? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Abstain. AES 001 abstention. Motion passes by majority. 12.02 personnel addendum for September 26, 2022. 137. 137. I did 137. I think we did. We did 137. Motion to approve. Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimous. Uh, 12.03 contractual agenda for September 26, 2022. Motion to approve. Second. I have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries unanimously. Student hearings 13.01. I'd like to make <coughs> like to make a motion that we accept the recommendation of the special ed coordinator. Second. We have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Mrs. Drobelfield, will you pull the board? Mr. Castle? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Javier? Yes. Ms. Moses? No. Mr. Peden? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight yes, one no, and zero abstentions. Motion carries by majority. 14 is public comment. 1401 is a time in our meeting where we offer a 15 minutes for public comment from anyone that um, has a comment to make. I don't know if there's anyone out there that did not sign up that now wishes to speak. 
Hearing none. Uh, motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. We have a motion to adjourn um, and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? I have it. Motion adjourned.